about uh, us first being with space is really mm. important um, because it's this um, that first embodies the space as we create in the first place, right? So, and I think a lot of times the spaces we create are extensions of, of the home and the existence and the temples that we are. So what we, the work we do here internally um, is really where this space begins to be created in, in the first place. Um, so um, very tender and, and loving and gentle reminders um, to yourself. Um, implying gratitude where we don't initially feel gratitude um and then allowing that to then trickle out into the external i think is really what's important welcome to the second season of the making spaces podcast i am sarah heath and this is my fantastic co-host Josie in the house. That is me. Josie in the house. Okay, Josie, can you introduce for us our next space maker? Uh, yeah, today we are speaking with the amazing, the lovely, the talented Ariel Historia. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast. Thank you for having me. Your voices. I've done a lot of podcasts, but the combination of the two of your voices are is truly my favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it's Thanks. really fun too. Uh, we should have given you the rules before. You can cuss on this, although I told Joe she can't cuss as much as she normally does. Because um, <laughs> I am an ordained pastor, but I still, I have a t-shirt that says I love Jesus, but I cuss a lot. Um, <laughs> I love it. We start the podcast and we'll get into a little bit more of your background and whatnot, but we just start with like, where is your favorite space? Here's the caveat. It doesn't have to be your actual favorite. It can be like, I like this space a lot. Because a lot of people will call back and be like, I said the wrong space. But where is your, <laughs> where is a favorite space and why? Oh, so many. But my current favorite space nice. is um, the Huntington Library. And um, it's stunning. It's just, if you haven't been, it's stunning. Why and did that give me goosebumps? I feel like I'm oh. really emotional, guys. COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, it's lovely for various reasons. My my husband and I, we've been before, but recently his sister gifted us a membership that was her wedding gift to us. And so we can now just go whenever we want and he's like loving it so we've been twice in like the past like week and a half and it's just I mean I don't know how much more to explain it it's magical um it makes you feel a little bit transported and I think now more than ever that's a super um, healing thing to be able to do um and you can just you can never really see all of it um because it's a pretty big space and so sometimes we'll go to like walk and explore sometimes we'll go we'll bring books and we'll just like pop up somewhere and it's yeah it's dreamy we were there Monday until closing um just sitting like a couple people reading a book and it was like the best and there's so, little yeah. different gardeny areas. Yeah, there's like there's like the Japanese garden, which is like the most popular, and it's beautifully done. Like I said, it, you feel transported. There's an Australian garden. There's another garden that's like just jungle, and the leaves are just like 
size of human bodies. Like, and then there's the cacti garden, like it. And so you just feel like you're just traveling, even though we can't entirely do that right now. And so, yeah, it's pretty dreamy. Funny story about the Huntington Library with oh, no, I'm afraid. Jersey. <laughs> I 100% got kicked out of the Huntington Library once. No, <laughs> Why did I know that was going to be? Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, we went, I went to go take engagement pictures for a couple of friends of mine um, from college, and yeah. I did not know that you had to, like, pay $10,000. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, you technically had to have a permit to shoot there. Mm-hmm. You could always get away with the whole, it's a school project thing. Mm-hmm. And we're just using our phones unless you have like full on equipment that you yeah. might not be able yep. They saw my big camera that. and they were like, oh, oh, no. get out of here. And they follow, like they walkie and they follow you out. Like, with different, yeah. like, okay even I snuck when they're in a few closing shots. like they're they're very like mm-hmm. that like we they were like oh we're closing in five and we were like oh okay and he like stood mm-hmm. there until <laughs> we like packed up and we were like oh snap okay and then he like went on to the next person and then stood there like until they got out they play no games there but nope. obviously I can imagine so many people being like let's just stay here after closing and uh yeah Am I remembering correctly? Did I break a rule or can you just walk around with wine there? You can, I think. Because there's a cafe. Yeah, there's a cafe. I've definitely done it. I don't know if it's legal or not. (laughs) If they didn't tell you no, then absolutely. Yeah, because they're on top of it. Uh They are on top of that. And so if they didn't stop you, it's probably good. No, I'm a rule follower too, so I would have been like, "Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry that I exist." Like, no, <laughs> like oh, I would no. just. So, Josie's laughing because she knows it's true. I'd be like, um, "I'm sorry." And one time in third grade, I stole a chocolate bar. Like, like I, I am the yeah. epitome. I am a rule breaker. I, I know. went to APU. I had the beer in my fridge at all times. I did not care. <laughs> I, I did. I was telling her like my like. I was trying to relate to Josie, and I was like, I taught a class at APU, and I drank wine at Applebee's before I went there. Like she was like, whoa. Oh, I got drunk there a DMX <laughs> as you drove across the street. Like I'm on my way. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Same. I was also a rule follower and oldest child and pastor's kid. So I just feel like I have like all the things like stacked against me. So even now, like trying to be rebellious, is like probably not the actual definition of that word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's always room to grow and to learn. Of course. Yeah. Masterclass with Josie and rebellion. Oh my gosh, we should do like we're talking all the time about how do you uh you know make money in this gig economy. You should teach uh how to be a badass masterclass. <laughs> yeah. I'd take it. it. No, I, I wouldn't. Would it would make it. me uncomfortable. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh. Well, Ariel, you have been so I was um exposed to your work as a storyteller and um poet. And did you MC the Yellow Conference at one point? I did. I emceed, um, I think the year you attended and the year yes. after. So I did two years of, of emceeing the Yale conference, which was a joy, a joy upon a joy. Yeah. And I remember just thinking I have a huge, I just love spoken words. Like I think because mm-hmm. I'm a pastor's, I'm a pastor's, I'm a pastor's person guys. I'm not a pastor's <laughs> kid. There's no one in my family who's a pastor. <laughs> I'm a, um, I'm a pastor. And so I just so appreciate words and wordsmithing mm-hmm. and word crafting. And so can you kind of explain to us, cause you wear a lot of hats. You are, I would say 
if, if this is fair, would you say like a body advocate, like a body, like let's be embodied yeah. in our own body. Yeah. Um, you're a writer, you're a speaker. Is there anything else that you can think of? Those are great. My like categories are usually either poet, author, speaker, or um, poet, author, creative. Um, so the body and embodiment kind of um, comes from that. And then also just like content storyteller and um, just overall um, via social media. And so I feel like those are, those are my categories. I appreciate you using the word via. I like to use that word, um, especially when I'm like, mm, via this. <laughs> yeah. It makes me it. feel, yeah. Mm -hmm. When you are thinking about the spaces that you sort of curate with your creativity, what is it that you're hoping to either engage with your audience or open up for your audience? Because I really think of you as a space maker for other people. I've noticed, mm -hmm. you know, as I've read content, uh, content comments that people have written, like your work speaks to them um, mm -hmm. and says, oh, I feel that too, or whatever it might be. What is sort of your goal as you're creating? Are you even thinking about that person or is it more just making space for yourself? Yeah. Um, well, my overall motto for creating, for writing, for storytelling um, is words not for the ears, but for the soul. And so I try to make everything I do come back to that, um, ultimately creating the space for people to feel and feel deeply um, for people to maybe hopefully walk away a little bit more seen and known um, than they did before they entered into the said space. Um, and a lot of times what I do create is for other people. Um, it's very, I wouldn't say very rarely for me, um, but there's very few of, of what I do um, is for me. I think my own processing and healing comes um, in the writing of it and um, in the curating of it. But for the most part, I know I'm speaking to people. I know that it's for people. Um, and so even um, just social media in itself, a lot of the quotes and things that I'll post is just like this gut um, feeling or or this discernment of just I think someone needs to hear this you know um, I think this is for the per a person and it's usually always a person it's never like I forget about the mass conversation mm. I am usually only thinking about there's one person in a sea of 70,000 people that follow me that I think needs to hear this and so I'll post it um, for that person and so a lot of times that's where the inspiration comes from but I just yeah I wanted to feel like people are having like we're having a conversation um like we're having coffee you know and there there's an intimacy to it um and so yeah I think my goal is always to speak to the heart and to the soul of people um and not just through this kind of like exterior that we live in that scrolls um and is numb to a lot of things that we encounter on on specifically the internet I think that's amazing because I feel like so often as humans, we forget that we are living in spaces, but we ourselves are like mm -hmm. a space, like your soul mm -hmm. is in the space of your body. Yeah. And I mean, we say like our bodies are temples or whatever, but a temple is a space and mm -hmm. you have to like care for this space and make space mm -hmm. for your space. And I think yeah. so beautifully through like the words that you speak and I follow you on Instagram and I've had the luxury of going to APU at the same time as you and hearing you in chapel and stuff. And you've as I wasn't thinking before teaching your classes is all I'm going to say at Applebee. <laughs> I feel like I need to say that. 
case you're worried that I was your professor. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's like lovely, like feeling like you bring it back to yourself and to for people, invite people to go back into who they are and how they feel and to be okay with that instead of, you know, disassociating with your body and going to yeah. like numb it in other ways. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, particularly around sort of this idea of seeing our the one person or the 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 audience isn't not an audience, but as in like, oh, this is I want to have a conversation with one person. I remember mm-hmm. when we were talking to Morgan Harper Nichols last season, her and I were talking about how it's almost it's easier to take critique as well because it's like, oh no, mm-hmm. then it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. if you can picture one person. Then it's like, oh no, that's fine that you didn't like that. That's not yeah. for you. Um, mm-hmm. How did you end up in this area of making space for for these conversations? Because I feel like it's a very odd world we live in now, where people can say, "Oh, I know you from your Instagram stuff." Like, right? Yeah. How did you get there? I- I mean, when I, I went to Azusa Pacific um, and I studied psychology and theater, I always knew that whatever I did, it would have to do with people. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. I'm not, science is not it for me. Math is barely it for me, but I knew the like mind and I knew people. So I knew whether I was going to be a doctor or not, that I would still work with people too a capacity. And, and so I studied psychology first with the heart of doing art therapy for kids. And then, then that kind of transitioned, the more I worked with college students and I was like, maybe I'll work at a university. Like, I love this demographic. I think that DSM misses like 10 years of a conversation from 20 to 30. And that's like the most pivotal conversation. And so I was like, maybe I'll just stay here. So then my psychology kind of branched into specifically focusing on college students and then I was like well what if I don't do anything with psychology (laughs) like what if what if this is like and what if you know being being at a university isn't it either so all that time I was still doing theater I was still writing and doing poetry but I wrestled for a really long time on can this artist part of me and um, be the professional part of me I knew I was made to do it like I knew I was good at it but I didn't think it was professional um and that's like the oldest child in me too and also slash can you be a christian and an artist at the same time you know that whole um dilemma and so i went through that for like five years at apu because i had a victory lap um and <laughs> when I, i'm stealing that when i got <laughs> yes please do i had a victory lap and it was awful because it was just to take stats and it was the worst thing ever um but I had a victory lap. And so when I finished, it was just the less I felt like I was supposed to do this perfect plan of work at a university. And so I was like, okay, I'll do the creative thing for like a year. And I've, I've done it full time since I graduated at APU. Um, the first couple of years were like a ton of other jobs just to make it um, and pay rent and eat food. I was definitely doing the starving artist life for a really long time. And and then it kind of switched into social media because it's hard to convey that you're a poet. You know, it's hard to convey <laughs> that you do spoken word. And I didn't always like the videos I would get from like churches and events because they were not attractive looking and I'm aesthetic person. 
person. And so I wouldn't post them. And so I was like, okay, so then I had friends who would take photos. So I would take photos with them, but then I would wrap the captions in real time, or I would wrap the captions around what I was going through, or I would throw a poem in there or something like that. And so that kind of built. Um, I didn't expect to grow a following. I didn't expect um, to be an influencer. And I every time I use that word, it makes me cringe, but like, I didn't expect to do these things. Um, I was, I'm an artist, you know, I like, I like theater. I like being on stage. I like memorizing things. I love creating spaces, um, for people, um, through the arts. Um, and that just turned into way bigger than I thought I was going to turn into. Um, but my heart and my intention was always people. Like, I just want to talk to people. I just want to remind them that they're worthy and that they're enough. And if I do that in art, great. If I do that with a social media platform and a photo of me and, you know, workout clothes, awesome. But like, I'm going to do it. That one somebody gave other. me because me, thank you. Right. <laughs> I just, yeah. I want to say uh, the funniest thing happened to me last year with, um, this is going to feel like a real weird flex. Um, and then I promise it'll make you laugh, uh, or just pity me and laugh. Anyway, I, um, definitely someone called me and said, congratulations. Do you remember this? Josie? Congratulations. And I was like, about what? And she's like, you were ranked one of orange County's hundred most influential people. You didn't see it in the LA times. And it was also in, and I said, I did not see it. Unbeknownst to me, I had been ranked because of a lot of our work that our church has done around homelessness and LGBTQIA wow. inclusion and all this sort of stuff. But nobody told me the only photo they had of me. So everyone else has like their headshots, right? They look great. Mine is, I do a lot of um, actual building. So mine, I'm on a ladder and I'm like, it looks like somebody stockingly took a photo of me. I'm like, oh, and, it, and I was, and that's my moment, guys. Oh I, my gosh. So if FabFitFunBox just wants to already, I'm one of Orange County's most influential <laughs> people. Like what a weird flex. What do I do with that? I so then it. my friend who does a lot of like stuff for me when I'm speaking at events and stuff, she's like, you need a brain. I'll be your PA. She put it on my website and I was like, that's not something. <laughs> so everyone else looks great in these pictures. That's how I want to be remembered. And I just, I'm like, authenticity. Great. Good. <laughs> I love it. Like, awesome. <laughs> Well, I am so grateful for the ways that you do create space and the way that um, it feels really authentic that you kind of just fell into it, right? Like it's it's a better story than here's how I, like I can't. Right, I have all my strategy and these are the hashtags I use for this many years and this is what I would post. Even now I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to post. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I don't care about the algorithm. Like I really am, I'm probably not the math. greatest <laughs> Person, right I'm you'd like, be at a million if you were good at it <laughs> if I think I really would but I'm just like I don't know and I and if I ever hesitate to post and I'm just like yeah we're gonna let this sit for a little bit because it doesn't be I'm a four on the Enneagram so I'm like it doesn't feel authentic I refuse to do it you know like if it doesn't feel authentic and so and there's a lot that happens within the influencer social media world where I'm like this is some bullshit. <laughs> you so, wanted to say baloney, but thank you for not. I, I like, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, trying to really find that balance of like, my goodness, this is still me. You know, like I'm, I'm still very much so a real person and trying to convey that um, authentically is uh, a task on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're scrolling through, we've all seen the curated Instagrams. 
man, on um, point. They're on point. They're on point. Sure. Um, are you saying yours is Josie, or were you just dancing like the emoji no, for I was fun? Just posing, you know, a little pose. <laughs> That's her pose. <laughs> yeah. um, I think there is a sense where you feel like you can connect to people, and then I don't know. And you guys can chime in on this. I struggle with the boss babe stuff, mm. like the yeah. <laughs> Josie. No, what, how do you really feel? Just I am the boss. That oh. is period. I don't have to be no babe. I don't have to be a woman. Uh, I'm just your boss. <laughs> period. Well, first of all, I'm literally your boss, and I still feel like that sentence is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today I was. What was I do? Oh, um, I disappeared. I was getting typical me. I'm in a dress, and I was trying to get a drill out of the back of my car because who doesn't? And I guess she couldn't see me from the window. So we've got. We're in a more urban area that it can be a little scary sometimes. And she came out and she said, oh, I thought you were kidnapped. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. And she goes, yeah, well, I wouldn't get paid if you were. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> was it? <laughs> when, you, uh, when you are just authentically yourself, Josie, we're really glad for that. Yeah. I would love to, who are, when you think about people that made space for you to enter into this, um, are there particular moments when you say, oh, that was the moment when I saw someone or there was a representation of someone, or do you feel like you just were like kind of on the, what do you call them? Like pioneer guys, not pilgrim. That's not the word I wanted. <laughs> pioneer. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Pioneer in this, or do you feel like you've seen people do it well? Um... At first, it, I thought I saw someone, and I ended up working for for them, and it was not <laughs> what I thought or what I wanted it to be. Um, and then it was very quickly after that where I just kind of realized, oh, I have to like figure this out myself. You know, there weren't people who were um, poets, like full time spoken word poets, um, when I when I was like beginning. And then there were friends who I had worked with, um, but they kind of like you know, did Teach for America and started working corporately and, and still like <laughs> writing and things like that, but differently. And I was just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, you know, like, do I just, do I get a job? Like what, what do I do here? And so right when I graduated um, is when I started working for another poet and that lasted all of like six months and it was really awful. I learned a lot of who I didn't want to be and how I didn't want to operate in the world. And so when they let me go, I had to figure it out, you know, it was either move home or make it work. Um, and, and so I was like, I'm making it work. And so, um, I just like got a bunch of odd jobs and, and tried to figure it out and still was at churches and at conferences and at yellow and things like that. Um, and then it was uh, moving out of a house that I couldn't afford and into a house with a family and there are four kids now almost five. I um, mean, I lived with them up until February of last year in order to uh, do what I was doing and what I felt called to do. And so there's a lot of sacrifices in there. There was a lot of like taking gigs that still to this day make me kind of giggle um just like the setting of it or just like the who it was and it was all part of it you know and I wouldn't I wouldn't take any of it back you know and even now I think there's those beginning stages that happen in, in different parts of growing and being a creative I don't think we ever fully like I don't know what making it looks like I don't I don't know if there really is a making it I think we're always um 
evolving and growing and, and doing the weird things and the hard things and the uncomfortable things because that's like part of the work um, mm-hmm. and where the creativity comes from. And so, um, yeah, it really wasn't until like the last two years where I feel like, oh, I have I have a rhythm now. Like I'm in this. I'm like really, really in this. Um, I'm, I'm making enough to sustain myself, like I to live on my own and, and things like that. And then, you know, my husband coming in and that was a great help. And so it's just been like kind of like an ebb and flow of, of constantly growing, of constantly doing the uncomfortable thing and um and and figuring it out along the way it's always it's a lot of figuring it out um and all you know is like i'm made for this and you feel crazy um but you just know like you keep yeah you keep pursuing it because this is what makes sense for your existence in this present moment i think that's so amazing because i mean like you said before being an artist and being a christian like how do you do that like is that yeah whatever Mm -hmm. um and as an artist, it's so lovely to see you just like push past all of those like stigmas and stereotypes of like <laughs> the starving artist is usually like this <laughs> drug riddled weirdo right. who is. Okay, but honestly, you have how many times have you said to me like, um, we were talking about an artist who also went to school with you guys, but he's older and um, he has that starving artist. Like I'll never make it. And I'm telling her about him and she goes, is he white? And I was like, yes. Why? She goes, oh, no. white artists can just like, they like to oh, suffer. They need to create oh, no. suffering because yeah. they don't actually suffer in real life. And I was like, and fair. maybe that's it because I mean, I, yeah. uh, I'm, grew up in a um, Mexican so growing mm-hmm. up in that context I was like I don't got to suffer my dad came to this country so I don't have to suffer so I'm gonna go right. ahead and just like be an artist however I want people don't like it that's yeah. fine whatever yeah. but as a Christian that's like a different level of like mm-hmm. I mean I'm an artist and I write and stuff and I always say like I don't have the luxury of not using curse words because they're part of the whole language of <laughs> the luxury <laughs> nice excuse. luxury like of <laughs> I have to use them. Um, But like, I've been trying to make space for that, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. I can be this artist in all of my fullness and relate to people that are outside of Christianity as well. But that doesn't make me any less of a believer. That doesn't make me any less worthy of the Lord's favor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but hearing you say the Lord's favor makes me giggle. (laughs) It was a little bit. It was really just, it was with all, it was the whole presentation of how she said it too. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, sad to think for me as someone who studied church history and theology and all those sexy things um the fact that like art kind of was the common you know how you talked about the Huntington uh library that used to be um like the common person couldn't get art unless they were getting it at a church that's why churches were so like that's where people who would Mm -hmm. never get to go into a museum um Mm -hmm. would get to see this art artists were I mean, the church was where art was happening. And I hate the idea that, like, I've never actually really heard that there's a questioning whether you can be a Christian and an artist is, can someone, can you guys catch me up? Why, why is that <laughs> problematic? Well, I mean, it wasn't up until recently. You think of like the Sistine Chapel and David and the, like all these people were, mm-hmm. as Christians would call them, a bunch of heathens, you know, they're all mm-hmm. heretics, but they were patrons by the church Mm -hmm. but now it's seen as like art is for is for the liberals and liberals aren't oh is that that's the issue 
it's kind that of. round and it's also like for me it was uh the Katy Perry's of the world you know grew up singing in the church and mm-hmm. and and grew up as a pastor's kid and now look at her you know she's she's dressing this way and she's she looks really this. upset about life uh, she's thriving now. Married to Orlando Bloom. I know whatever. Katie was like, quote, unquote, canceled for a while, but I have been secretly under my breath rooting her this whole time because, but a lot of the conversation was, you know, like Katie started in the church and now she's of the world. The whole conversation of being in the world and not of the world. And a lot of times if you're in the entertainment industry, if you're an artist, then you're then, you then somehow lose a piece of yourself, your, your spirituality, your faith, and you uh. become of the world. Right. Um, and then your art starts being different and changing. And so the conversation was, you know, is it for me that I wrestled with, like, is it one is the spotlight glorifying to God, if it's, um, highlighting me. Got it. Um, and, and, and two, it's like that focus is not supposed to be on me. So then I can't be an artist, you know, how do I, unless I'm only talking about, you know, God and ever using God and everything, using scripture and everything, then that's glorifying, you know, that's how you become, that's how you can be a Christian and an artist. You know, it has to be scripture in every and every breath and every movement. And it has to, you know, point back to to God and and not point to yourself. And so that wrestling through those aspects of of finding the balance of being an artist and a, and a Christian at the same time. And I put quotations around both of those because they're not, you know, they're not separate. Um, and they don't they don't necessarily need um highlights because they're so much a part of just who we are as as people so yeah I think that's the um I mean to think through I I laugh because I don't know if you know Father Richard Rohr but I love his work and Mm -hmm. everything belongs and this idea that everything is sacred Mm -hmm. and um it gave language for me who has seen the divine in all things and Mm -hmm. Christianity is where I've landed but like I definitely number one a lot of times I'm like maybe I'm not but says the pastor. But um, I think there is something beautiful about this idea that it all belongs, right? So there is no of and in. It Mm. is just everything's of the world because the world Mm. is not this, you know, strange thing that happened when we, Gnosticism and the separation of body and spirit and all the nerdy things that um, have happened in the past. But um, to bring it full circle, when I heard Richard Rohr speak for the first, like when I, he invited a couple of us to like and by a couple, I mean 25, but that seems small and intimate, um, to this little retreat thing. And every time I'd sing the Katy Perry Roar song, so <laughs> I feel like Katie's with us in all things. Um, mm-hmm. but that's fascinating to think that somehow, and I get that as a speaker who speaks about the divine people. It's like, I, I remember someone saying, people like you, but it was like a, problem and I didn't know like when they said it people like you and I was like yes and waiting for and that's and she said well they're not they only listen to you because they like you not because they're interested in God and I was like "Ooh!" so I was really sad and I cried a lot Mm -hmm. and I went to see my friend uh, Mike McCarg who science Mike Um, I was in his backyard and I said they hate this these people hate me like she said this thing and he said hmm do you think people followed Jesus around because they liked him? And I was like, yes. Mm. And he goes, well, maybe it's okay if people follow you around at first because they like you. And I was like, and I'm done. <laughs> you, yeah. Like what if people encounter your work and feel 
the divine in a way because like they're seeing themselves in it or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But I hate to think that there's, you know, Josie's said before, APU's art department is like the outsiders of the Christian school. Like mm-hmm. do the business people feel like they shouldn't be mm-hmm. counting money <laughs> right. for Jesus. Yeah. 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 Is it just artists yeah. that feel on the outsider fringes of that? Right. Well, I, I don't know if it's just us artists, but we're definitely not made to feel very comfy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> go to AP when all of this is over I'm gonna go to your college again go to Applebee's I don't know why because <laughs> I just found out thanks to you that there was like a dollar margaritas at Applebee's oh, every Applebee's Please tell me we get sponsored drink by of the month changes it changes every month a dollar drink of the month <laughs> what if like every our all our friends get these like classy sponsorships and we get like Applebee's, Applebee's. But if I get free dollar drinks, that's fine. (laughs) I mean, we are shooting for the stars, if we're honest. You know, you may not have been intentional of how you've just brought a lot of people to comfort in their own bodies, but Josie and I are heading for, we're just, this is an algorithm of its own. (laughs) Hashtag Applebee's, hashtag dollar margaritas. (laughs) How did Sarah lose her Applebee's. You do? Okay. What is it about it? It's it's the margaritas, either that or the perfect margarita is like it just is a game changer. And the blondie, those are my two Applebee's. Can What's only a- get it at Applebee's. It's What's like a-, a brownie cake thing. Oh and it comes in like a sizzle, like a little <laughs> sizzle. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Cast iron. Stop oh, it. Yes. Iron. Yeah. And then it has like ice cream and then like honey nuts on it and then it's it's the best yeah do you so want to my two start the podcast and i'll ask you again where's your favorite space and the answer because <laughs> I, <laughs> I always think of this scene with from, the perfect margarita yes i always think of the scene from uh what's the movie where he's a race car driver Talladega Nights, where they go to Applebee's and they have like a fight in applebee's and i feel like that happens every day like or applebee's well, I am so glad to chat with you and goof around. Um, we've been super professional on this. So we're making space for just professionalism, women, yeah. boss babes. Um, <laughs> he's got her laundry back there. Everything. It's all happening, guys. It's all happening. But I would love to ask you this. If you could think of one tangible way for someone who's looking at your work or someone who's heard your words that are, oh gosh, I, you talking about Moana, I was like, yes, Moana. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? You know, but like, if they're connecting to their, your words or they're connecting to your art, what is one way to tangible, one takeaway way that people can make space for other people or themselves? It's an open-ended question. Is there one thing you can think about if someone's listening today that they're like, this is something I can learn or do something easy, even just that big question. Yeah. Just that big question. Um, I think so much of what Jazzy was saying earlier about uh, us first being a space is really mm. important um, because it's this um that first embodies the spaces we create in the first place, right? So 
And I think a lot of times the spaces we create are extensions of, of the home and the existence and the temples that we are. So what we, the work we do here internally um, is really where this space begins to be created in, in the first place. Um, so um, very tender and, and loving and gentle reminders um, to yourself um, implying gratitude where we don't initially feel gratitude um, and then allowing that to then trickle out into the external I think is really what's important and um, for me it's like I, I want to create words for the ears for this not for the ears but for the soul because I feel like I operate more as a as a soul than a physical body um, and so then wanting to put that out in the world. And so knowing first and foremost, it starts with the space in the home in which you exist in and then trickles out into the external spaces in which you um, um, saunter in, in which you visit, um, in which you create for other people. Um, and usually that tying back to something you felt was a need, you know, um, if that's insecurities, then turning into learning a confidence or learning an awareness of yourself. That's the space you will create usually. And so figuring out what, what the need is, um, what the empty spaces you've been designed to fill, um, and that being the space in which you create and also operate in um, personally and individually. Wow. <laughs> that was a good, I have goosebumps again, guys. That's so great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for everyone who listens to, I, it still blows my mind that people listen to us talk. Um, but thank you so much for listening to the Making Spaces podcast. Thank you to Stephen Burnett of the Cult Podcast who edits us. We give him a lot of work. Um, if you have an idea of where a great space is, what can they do? Josie, how can they get in touch with us? You can send us an email at makingspace is podcast at gmail.com I believe you made it so yep that's it yes yes it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did make it sorry or seamless, you can guys seamless go ahead and leave us a voicemail on the anchor site uh, www.anchor.fm slash making spaces and let us know what your favorite space is while you're there and why and we want to thank you for subscribing reviewing and comments thank you to Good Ma One, Go Huskies 81, Alan Crow, Jess Madison, JL Tour, and Pastor JT, just some of the fellow space makers who left us incredible comments. And um, also thank you to the guy who left a comment on YouTube saying you wanted to burn down our church. That felt good. I'll I mean, burn you down. some people have said my sermons are on fire, so. Okay, that was bad. I'm sorry, we can edit. We won't edit that out, will we? Josie can tell by your face. Yeah, it's not no, getting we're not great. Do that. Um, okay, so we will see you next week where we will be saving the space for you thank you so much